God's word always points us back to God's heart. It was exactly one month ago today, December 28th, my family and I were getting ready to go on a little day trip, have some fun, and we were literally walking towards the door when we hear at the front door. And we look at our ring camera, and lo and behold, we see two Jehovah's Witnesses standing at the door. And I already know a lot of you guys, when you see this site before, you're like, close the curtains, close the windows, hide the kids, turn off the lights, pretend like we're not here, don't, like, make the dog stop barking. I get it, it's a lot of chaos. When you guys hide, you're like, don't let them know we're home. But what do I do? How did I respond? Well, I responded in this way. I went out and I, I, I opened the door and I was like, yes, can I help you? And they said, hi, do you have time to talk about Jesus Christ? And I stepped out, closed the door and I said, oh boy, do I. <laughs> and you'd think like after all these times, they'd have my house on a blacklist or something of not to go there because the way it always ends up, I, this is what I live for. You know, I'm, I'm a former atheist. I, I loved having these kinds of conversations with people. But now it's not to like spite people. It's because I want them to know the, cru- the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ that they need. But the way it always ends is me following them and chasing them around my neighborhood, trying to show them about the Bible, showing them about who Jesus Christ is until they're finally like, okay, I got to get out of here. And they get in their car and they drive away and they leave. But today I, I really felt on that day, December 20th, I really felt the Holy Spirit leading me in a different direction. And again, it wasn't to spite anyone, but he was leading me in a direction where in the middle of the conversation, I just looked at them and I was like, hey, let me ask you a genuine question. Tell me about the last time that you were alone with God's word and he actually spoke to you through his word. That you felt the presence of God Almighty in the room with you. It was just you and his word and you felt like if he didn't take his hand off you, then you were gonna die because his glory was so real in the place. Tell me about a time like that, tell me. And they looked at me like, like I was crazy. And they said, I said, hey, you can't tell me about a time like that, can you? You've never had an experience like that, have you? I know you haven't because I don't genuinely believe you've ever gotten alone with this book before. With just you and God and this book. I, I can't believe like that you would come away with the ideas you guys come away with if it was just you and this book. I'm not talking about you guys together with other elders to tell you how to interpret it. Like I wouldn't come away with those same ideas that you guys have of like Jesus is just Michael the archangel. Or the Holy Spirit's just an energy force. I wouldn't come away with those things. And I was pleading with them in this moment. I was telling them, like, please, tonight, just get alone in a room. Go in a closet if you have to. Not with each other. Not with any other churchgoers that you attend with. Not with any other elders to tell you how to interpret the Bible. But just you. And see how God can speak to you when it's just you and him. And I prayed for them and they went their way. And I go inside, I close the door, and I start praying, God, would you speak to them, minister to them through your word, and would you start to let that conversation work in their heart? And immediately when I said amen, when I prayed for them, God started to work 
That prayer that I thought was through me, he started to actually speak to me. And he started to ask me the question, Matthew, you're talking about them, but when was the last time you had an experience like that in my word? And I started to realize there had been times in my life previously when I was elevating the word of God in my heart, but I since then had let it decrease and get stale. So, 1045 service, my question to you guys is, when was the last time you hungered after the word of God? When was the last time you spent time alone in the word of God? How have you been treating the Bible in your own life recently? Has it been something that you've just been flippantly doing? I believe we as a culture have downgraded the importance of the Bible. Whenever that happens, it's always dangerous for the, for the people of God because we get so distant from the Word of God. Let's not just assume that because we have the truth of Jesus Christ that we're living in that truth properly. Let's not just bash other religions and think that we're perfect. That we've got it all put together in our own personal lives. But when was the last time it was just you, no one else? When was the last time you spent time alone in the Word? I'm not just talking about scrolling on social media and you happen to see what someone posted. I'm not talking about words on a screen in a service. I'm talking about you and God. You'd be surprised what God speaks to you if you actually allow Him time to cultivate your heart. Here's a question a lot of us need to ask, tough one. When was the last time you spent serious, devoted time in the word of God without feeling the need to post about it or brag about it? See, because the Bible is not just a single book. We have to remember that the Bible is a, is a library of 66 different books written by 40 different authors over the span of 1,500 years. It's written in three different languages. That's Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. It's written across three different continents. That's Africa, Europe, and Asia. And those 40 different authors, many of them weren't alive at the same time. They were poets, they were uh, priests and prophets and artists and politicians and kings and shepherds and builders. They were all these different backgrounds, many of them at different times in human history. And yet, all of them were divinely inspired by God. And we believe today that the Bible, the Word of God, is the divinely inspired Word of God. It was what God had given them to write, and they obeyed and wrote it down. See, the Bible was written in obedience. Therefore, the Bible should be read in obedience. You might have so many questions about the Bible, but this lesson is so needed today. More than I, I believe more than ever because there are fewer and fewer people on earth who actually take the Word of God seriously, who are actually in love with the Word of God. And even fewer actually commit themselves to studying it and knowing it well. I know this personally because when I was a teenage atheist, I would try to trap Christians. I would ask them about the Bible. And so many of them had no response to me, even adults. So few people knew how to respond to me. And looking back, it was way too easy for me as an atheist to trip Christians up with questions about the Bible because so few of them knew about it at all. 
And the danger in this is that if we treat the word of God flippantly, like it has no authority over our lives, is then we will have no foundation for our faith. We'll have no foundation of truth. You will never find peace in this life without the word of God. And so many people, I'll hear them talking about how God seems distant from me. It feels like he's not speaking to me anymore. It feels like I don't hear from him anymore. But then I'll look and their Bible is closed. Complaining about God being silent when your Bible is closed is like complaining you have no texts coming through when your phone is off. It's not going to happen. But we need to understand that our important thing today is that we need to really understand the word of God. We need to hunger after the word of God. We need to desire for the word of God. And what God is teaching me recently is that our desire and hunger to be in his word is a direct reflection of our desire and hunger to be close to his heart. Because God's word will always point us back to God's heart. Today we're going to be concluding our series, Grow Up. We've been learning about spiritual disciplines, and today we're going to be reading out of the gospel account of Matthew in the fourth chapter. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Matthew's in the New Testament. It's written by a guy named Matthew. It wasn't me. But he, was, he lived in the first century with Jesus. He walked alongside him in the flesh, and he wrote down eyewitness accounts that he saw Jesus doing. And in this moment, in Matthew chapter 4, we see how Jesus uses Scripture to get through a grueling situation. Just to set the stage, this is moments after Jesus is baptized in water, and it's moments before he begins his earthly ministry. So in Matthew chapter 4, it says this. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. In another translation, it talks about how Jesus is tested. See, God will never tempt us. But that doesn't mean that he won't refine us through a test. Verse 2, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now the tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. So this passage is very fitting for us today because we're just getting done with the 21 days of fasting and prayer as a church. He didn't go 21. He went 40 days without eating. Like, can you imagine the hunger? And then it says, and the tempter came. Notice Matthew wrote when the tempter came. Because in our lives, it's not a matter of if the tempter will come, of if the trials will come. It's a matter of when they will come. And the very first thing that we see the devil tempting Jesus with is bread. The most obvious one of all, Jesus had gone 40 days without eating. It's like, it's a no-brainer, you know, he's hungry. The devil isn't very creative in this moment. But in each of the temptations we see Jesus facing today, we're going to see a lie that Satan is presenting. And we're going to see a truth to be gained from how Jesus responds to those lies. He tempts him with bread, with hunger. If you're the son of God, command these stones become bread. See, the first lie that Satan introduces to Jesus is that the word of God alone is not enough. And he's still telling you this lie today. But in verse 4, Jesus answers in a way I want us to make sure we remember today. And I'm going to have us repeat it each time. But it says, but he answered and said, and say it with me, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And he's quoting the book of Deuteronomy in the 8th chapter. 
The truth Jesus is showing us is that the word of God is enough for you. The word of God is enough. The word of God can sustain us. See, Jesus responds in a very crucial way for us to remember. He responds with scripture. Remember, he's fully divine in this moment. He could have backhanded Satan into another galaxy if he wanted to. But he chose to fight back using scripture, something we also have access to. Not some crazy divine power we'll never hope to have, but something we have access to today. The word of God was enough for Jesus. Is it enough for you? Has it been enough for you? See, so many people in our lives today will not think the word of God is enough for them. They won't think that the Bible is enough to sustain them. Or they'll say something like, yeah, I believe in the word of God, but tell me 10 reasons why I should actually believe that is good for me. Entice me to believe this scripture. Or we'll say, yeah, I'll take the word of God, but I also need to listen to this sermon on top of it. And I need to listen to this podcast on top of that. And I need to scroll through Instagram to get inspired. And I need to feel emotional. And I need this song. And I need this and this and this. And then finally, when it looks like an ice cream sundae with the cherry on top, then the Bible will look appetizing to me. But it should be our daily bread. And look at the way... Uh, the scripture continues in verse 5. It says, Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, dot, 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 and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. The second lie the devil is introducing to Jesus is that the word of God can be shaped to fit my agenda. The word of God can be shaped to fit my agenda. Jesus uses scripture and Satan sees him using scripture. He's like, okay, I'll play on your terms. But just because someone can recite scripture doesn't mean they love the God of scripture. Just because they can know the word of God doesn't mean that they really have the right motive at heart. <laughs> And what Satan is doing is he's trying to use scripture to trip Jesus up and not build him up. So many times in our culture, people will only use scripture as a means to win an argument. Or as ammo to cut someone else down. Or as something to hide behind when you're having a keyboard argument because you're not actually in love with the God of the word. Jesus is being sustained by Scripture. And what he says is so important for us to understand and remember. In verse 7, it says, Jesus said to him. Let's say it together one more time. Ready? It is written also, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And he's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6. He's Deuteronomy again. And the truth he's trying to bring now is that the word of God is meant to build up, not to tear down. not meant to be used as, as ammo to be a destructive force. It's meant to build up and strengthen the church. In verse 8, again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. The third lie that the enemy introduces is that there are better authorities over my life than the Bible. There's better authorities for your life than the Bible, isn't there? 
I mean, Satan's tactics move here from just a, a gentle nudge of Jesus to disobey the Father, and now it's just outright asking him to fall down and worship him. He even makes the crazy suggestion that if Jesus were to worship him, he'd have better rewards with the devil. And he's still doing the same thing today, Satan is. He's still trying to show us that, you know what, uh, I mean, when you get to like a certain age, the Bible's not going to really be enough to sustain you. Can't tell you how many of the high schoolers in this church I've had to talk to that have the thoughts that, yeah, this is cute, but until... It's, until, it's only cute until I really get to college. Then I won't be able to be sustained by the word of God. Or some of you might think, yeah, that's cute and all that Bible. The word of God is cute. But when you get to real world problems, adult problems, then it won't be enough to sustain you. Yeah, 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 sure. But I, I, have, actually, I have a job that I need to do. I have a family that I need to take care of. I have a marriage that's deteriorating. I can't just rely on the Bible, can I? But... The word of God is something that can sustain you. And it's shown in the next verse where Jesus is responding to him. In verse 10 it says, Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. And finally, again, let's do it one more time, ready? For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. He's quoting Deuteronomy again. Chapter 6, verse 13. Verse 11, then the devil left him and behold, angels came to him and ministered to him. The word of God will show you the best way to lead your life. The truth is the word of God will show you the best way to live your life. And Jesus was able to fight off the attacks of the enemy here through those three words that carried so much weight. It is written. My prayer for us as a church is that when the enemy comes, when trials come, when the temptations come, when the panic comes... We would always have a default response to run immediately back to those words. It is written. That we would quote scripture over ourselves. That we would pray scripture over ourselves. Because this battle against Satan didn't begin for Jesus when Satan arrived in the desert. The battle began years ago when Jesus began to build himself up as a child in the word of God where he would devote time to be in the synagogue and, and be training, mature in wisdom and memorize scripture. See, preparation for the battle begins long before the battle itself. And although Jesus was trained in the synagogue, he wasn't tested in the synagogue. He was tested in the wilderness. Even though Jesus was trained in the quote-unquote church building of his day, he didn't just confine what he was taught to that church building. He wasn't reliant on a building or a rabbi for the scriptures he needed when it came time. He knew it in his heart. Some of us need to understand that just because you're in a church building doesn't mean that you're perfectly where you need to be. But we need to remember how Paul writes that our bodies itself is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we need to be taken outside of this church building ready to be tested. Knowing the word of God. A question many of us have to ask ourselves and be honest in the answer. Is if magically tomorrow, Gateway Fellowship Church, this church building disappeared off the face of the earth. Just somehow magically. All it's... You know, all the pastors, the small group leaders, all the resources, this church was just wiped out. Would you be okay? 
Would you stay healthy? What would my devotional life look like if the church wasn't here anymore? Or would you panic? Would you start running everywhere and thinking, oh no, how am I going to get the Bible now? The church is gone. See, we are supposed to feed ourselves the word of God. It's kind of like this. I want to illustrate it in this way, okay? God describes his word as our daily bread. Don't worry, it wasn't a stone before this. It was always bread. Some of you guys are like, dang, that bread looks good. And this is our daily bread. It's meant to sustain us and nourish us. And it's meant to keep us alive. And it's meant to be something we can depend on. And there are going to be some days when the bread does look a little simple. It does look a little plain. It doesn't have that wow factor. There's not like a bunch of colors and it's not like the most intriguing thing. And there's going to be days when it might be a discipline to remember we have our daily bread. But it'll, it will sustain you. It will sustain you. But the tragedy of today is that I believe we treat the word of God less like our daily bread and more like our yearly birthday cake. Where it's like, whoo, I'm going to wait till the Bible looks that appetizing to read it. It does look pretty good, right? Some of you guys are like, I've been on that Daniel fast for these 21 days. I want that cake. But can you imagine like singing happy birthday every day? Like you wake up on Monday, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. Okay, let's eat. Tuesday, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. Okay, let's eat. Wednesday, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. Okay, let's eat. Thursday, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. Okay, let's eat. (laughs) Friday. I won't go through it. Some of you guys are like praying, please don't let him continue. But this is what we do. We wait till the Bible looks eye-catching to read it. We wait till we're in the proper mood to devour it. And what happens is because of that, we only really end up feeding ourselves once or twice a year. And we become malnourished Christians because we don't know how to feed ourselves. But it is supposed to be a daily occurrence. It's not supposed to come to a point where it's a special event to read the Bible. It's a daily nourishment. We become so dependent on others to give us our food source of the Bible that when temptations do come, when the enemy does come, we freak out and panic because we never learned how to feed ourselves in the synagogue or even make our, our bodies a synagogue. And therefore, we never learned how to defend ourselves in the wilderness. Understand, there's nothing special about this church building. You are the church. And the enemy will come after you and your faith. Is it enough for you to just have the word of God? We have to love the word of God. And I don't think it's a coincidence or just a happenstance that Jesus quotes each time from the book of Deuteronomy. This is Deuteronomy. This is the fifth book of the Bible, the end of what they call the Torah. And it's outlining the very end of the 40 years that the Israelites were wandering through the wilderness. When Jesus wandered in the desert for 40 days, they wandered for 40 years. But also another parallel is that when Jesus didn't 
need anything else besides the word of God to sustain him. The ancient Israelites wanted other things besides the word of God to sustain them. Where Jesus depended on his father and didn't abandon him, the ancient Israelites abandoned God to go chase other idols. What happened in the time that the ancient Israelites were in the, in the desert wandering around was God was looking for one person that would be righteous and stay true to, his, true to the word that he'd given them, and it was just Moses. And he said, you know what, no, Moses, you're the only righteous one. Come up here and talk with me. And he talked with him like someone talks to a friend. And he goes up this mountain, up Mount Sinai. Maybe you've heard of this before. And he had the Ten Commandments, and he talks with him every day. And then what happens is the ancient Israelites gather around the bottom of the mountain, and they come up to Moses, and they're like, hey, tell us, what was it like to actually be in the presence of God? What was it like to hear from him? What did he say? What's his words for us? They became dependent on Moses to hear the voice of God. My prayer, my fear really, is that if we allow ourselves to become too much like the ancient Israelites, we will be in danger of being in a mindset where we'll come to a place like this every Sunday and then try to hear from one person how their time with God was that week. Or we'll say, tell me, how is it with God this week? What did he say to you? And we'll be in danger of coming to a place like church, trying to vicariously sustain ourselves and our relationship by leeching off of a pastor or a preacher or a small group leader. But can I tell you, you can go up the mountain for yourself. You can have that personal time alone with Jesus, that personal time alone with God. You can spend time going up that mountain, and he wants you to. We have to, as a church, be in love with the word of God and depend on the word of God and rely on the word of God and memorize the word of God and devote ourselves to his word. When everyone else is telling you the Bible's not enough, Jesus reminds us it is. When everyone is trying to tell you, you know what, there are better authorities for your life than the Bible, Jesus tells you, no, the Bible will tell you the best way to live. When everyone might be twisting scripture to fit their agenda, remember that it's meant to build up, not to tear down.